Xgrowth has helped B2B tech companies design campaigns that open doors in their strategic target accounts, roll out targeted ABM programs, scale ABM programs, and select the right tool and tech stack for a successful ABM initiative. These are all things Xgrowth has helped their clients with. If you're interested to learn how Xgrowth can help your firm's ABM program, check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about the yeses and nos to achieving those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth, and today I'm talking to Kylie Wing, CMO at Approval Max, about how Approval Max has turned webinars into a primary source of pipeline creation. Marketers have been running webinars for a very long time, but there is an art to successfully run them and turning them into a revenue engine. We're gonna find out how. On that note, Kylie, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. I'm really excited talking about this because, you know, in our in our original conversation, you were talking about how you kind of drastically increased the number of qualified leads that uh, that marketing was generating through webinars. So I want to I want to really dive in to the meat and potatoes of the topic right away <laughs> and and love to know like what is the recipe that you have for running successful webinars? Yeah, it's a great question. And I've been running webinars for about five years now. And I have to say, it's a number of what seems like really insignificant things, dozens of insignificant things. But doing them better, improving on the basics really helps to take you to the next level. So we'll dive into what some of those insignificant things are. Well, most of our webinars that we've run um, in the past, a lot of them have been thought leadership ones. And sometimes there are people who like to, you know, divide and say, we're just doing thought leadership ones. These aren't salesy. We're not doing a demo. But what we've found works really well for us um, at Approval Max is to combine thought leadership and demos in one. The goal is to be super helpful. We just want to create some really good content to spark ideas and just to get people excited and just to question the way they go about doing their approvals for their financial documents, because a lot of people will be doing it manually. So that's what we do at Approval Max. And I know that just in a lot of other SaaS companies, the people who are putting on the webinars are thinking, oh, I just need to work on the next webinar. And they just really get stuck in this single thought of webinar after webinar after webinar. But you've really got to step back. And instead of just treating one webinar on its own, you've really got to step back and then back again and then back one more time. So zooming out and like when you're standing on a field, just go past the grandstand, go past the arena, go bigger. And the biggest difference that that's made to us is really understanding the wider, wider strategy of the webinar in the planning process. So one thing for us has been really about understanding our success outcomes. What, is it, what are the success outcomes for marketing, but also for sales, potentially support. And then if we're doing a 
collaborative webinar, what are the success outcomes for that other partner we're working with as well. And some of them may be like, you know, we're chasing new leads here, or it might be we're trying to nurture our existing leads to push them down the middle of the funnel or even down further. Um, Other questions like, should we do this webinar alone or do we collaborate not just with one partner, but do we do it with two? Because there are massive benefits doing that as well. Mm. And, and I definitely want to touch on the partner stuff and, and dive deeper. But uh, so you, you talked about the thought leadership and demo being kind of like a mix. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you accomplish that? Like, how do you approach webinars so that you make sure that there is elements of thought leadership in there, but there's also a, a demo component in the in, in the webinar? So you cover both of them. Yeah, well, we just have chapters. So in the first, let's say, three chapters of the story, we will talk about the thought leadership angle and we'll get people really motivated, get them really thinking hard. We encourage people, like, write down questions, think about this. And then chapter four, like the final chapter, will be where the demo comes in because the important thing is that you can't, you have to have this lead up to chapter four has to be really nice, like it can't be abrupt and seem just completely random, otherwise it won't fit the storyline. So chapter four is nice, we keep it brief and we try and keep some mystery in there as well. But as long as you do that and you think of it as a story, you can get your product demo in there as long as it relates to the first three chapters. Interesting. I, I like this This chapter component, this chapter concept. So so tell me a little bit about this this, this chapter model super simple it's just dividing your like hierarchy of messages into chapters so when you're going through this with your audience you kind of take them for a ride but it's also part of your agenda we're going to cover a first and then b and then c and then by the time we get to d chapter four you'll understand how it all fits together and how the tool can actually work and essentially put everything you've talked about on the webinar, put it all into place. It's the final realization for them, but at a, you know, business level, it's what we want to sell. That is very interesting. I love that. I love that approach of like dividing it into, into bits and pieces and then, and then having the last chapter as the piece that uh, is, is a bit, a bit demo-ish by the sound of it. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, and it just also means that some people are like, oh, I don't want to be sold to. And then you've got some people, you know, the, the speakers of the webinars, like, I don't want to sell. And that's fine. But what we're stepping beyond that, and we're actually trying to provide the solution where we previously have talked about all the problems. And that part comes at the end. So people don't feel like they're essentially being sold to because you're answering a very specific number of questions that have popped up previously. Mm, Yeah, got it, got it, got it. You also touched on something really interesting. I'd I'd love to dive a little bit deeper where you're like, oh, marketers kind of run webinars and they halfway through webinar number one, they're thinking about webinar number two. And that could be really detrimental and one needs to really take a step back and, and think about the bigger picture and, and specifically this current webinar that you're running. Tell me a little bit more about that. Let's unpack that. 
Yeah, okay. So it's super easy to just feel like you're constantly sleepwalking if you are in that marketing team and you're creating the webinars. It's it's draining. You're thinking about topics. You're thinking about building landing pages, the copy for the emails, looking at the number of registrations, trying to you know get the slide deck created, talking to sales, getting speakers. It can be really draining. So making sure that there's a really good approach to how those things are handled, creating like templated approaches so that things feel easy and you're not always starting from square one. It can be a massive lifesaver and just help get these things underway a lot quicker. Um, You've got to leverage everything in your toolkit and go for speed. It's just a race against time. Otherwise, you always feel like you're just this you know, hamster in a wheel, mm. you know, going round and round every month. Yeah, it's so easy for that to happen in, in webinar land. Let's talk about partners. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do, you, how do you leverage partners? How do you approach partners to make a webinar successful? Yeah, great. Well, we do a lot of due diligence first. And I'll just say from a consumer angle, some of the webinars I see, sometimes I'm looking at them I don't quite understand if there's two partners on a webinar. I don't understand the fit. Like I'm not sure why they've teamed up with Team X and Y because I don't quite understand it. So we we do our homework first and we look for a partner in in the ecosystem that we work in that um, one is, is really well known and we're aware of them and two, where there is a mutual intersection where the products can fit and we probably spend more time than usual on this it's doing our due diligence it's looking at the background of the SAP partner and their company history how long have they been in business for um, what markets do they serve and potentially how many customers do they have we also look at their product so we'll actually do a demo like an on-demand demo and our goal is to make sure we screen them incredibly well because we want to be able to talk about this product fit. So it, it might be that, yes, we have a product that integrates. We, we actually do have integrations with some app partners. But if it's an app partner that we don't integrate with directly, it's understanding, is there a process here for the you know target audience who's going to eventually attend this webinar? Is there a stepwise process where they could use our tool and then after that process is wrapped up, then go on to use the other app partner's tool because if there's no stepwise process, you're just, yeah, it's not an ideal situation to waste people's time. So you want to motivate people and the way we do that is we talk about how to streamline processes, how to automate them, how to optimize them for maximum efficiency and we talk about it in a series of steps so we can do a baton change to this other app partner that we're talking with but you know the chapters one two and three I mentioned before we all talk together about that however we will do our little demo and then they'll do their demo and we keep it really brief it's like at at the most probably like three or four minutes right right and and do you find that you have to create specific demos for your webinars no, they we can use them. They're essentially very similar because of the way our tool works. Uh, so there's no actual specific part. It may be like if there's a potential feature that we really want to highlight on more, but most times it can be broad enough to tick a lot of boxes for a lot of people that attend. Right, right. Okay, got it. And what are, I'm also really curious about kind of what happens to people who've attended 
after the webinar. So what's what's your approach once you, um, you, you, you ran a successful webinar with a partner or without a partner, and then you have, I don't know, 50, 100, 200 attendees, what happens afterwards? Well, we work through the report. So we try and understand who were the attendees versus who were the the no-shows. And then with the attendees, we look at the ones that asked really good questions. So those are our our top priority to try and get back in touch with those people because chances are if they've got one question, they're going to have another, you know, if you give them that answer and then they may have another. So those are really good ones to focus on first, the prioritisation of of attendees. And then it's, it's about creating a next series of communication to keep them interested so an email will go out to those people if it's really worthy like if they asked a really quite technical question a phone call will go out and then the other group who didn't turn up what we'll do is quite common we'll let them know hey sorry you didn't attend the webinar it was you know sorry to miss you um put down some highlights of what they missed to try and create that value to try and get them to watch the recording. And sometimes it may be that if there's a really good quote, you can add a good quote in there as well. I don't do this anymore, but in in previous roles, we used to survey um, and and just do that quick poll about, did you enjoy the webinar, Um, getting some social proof and comments, and then you can add that in as well. So that's another idea if people want, want to go ahead with that. But it's really about nurturing those people and capturing their interest because Like I mentioned before, instead of trying to think of one in each webinar on its own, you have to try and think about them as an entire subset for your business. And instead of doing one collaboration with one app partner, it's often really handy to to think, how can we have a long-term relationship with each other? Because when we combine forces Obviously, there's more of a base that we can reach at scale. And if we do that once, that would be really sad. So how about we cre- we do this in a, in a thought leadership series of some sort to really grow the momentum, to really invest the time, to make sure that it's all paying off in the future. So like I, and I mentioned before, all these little insignificant things on their own, when you bundle them all up, they're actually really powerful. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine there's there's so many minor details that are running in the background that all the 1% improvements lead to a massive, massive overall improvement. Kali, what about one of the things that we touched on partners and one of the things that I wanted to talk, t- talk about there was what's your experience with kind of thought leaders being part of the webinar. So do you go out, now that might be your existing customers or it might be someone who has a lot of knowledge about your area of business. Do you, as, as part of your, your, your webinar playbook, do you do anything like that to, to bring external people, might not be a partner or, or another SaaS company, but external people on, on your webinars? Have you seen any success with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially when there's a really juicy story from a customer, those things can really change the game. And having someone who's credible is is extremely important as well. Um, Someone who's credible, who's well-spoken, who's well-known as well. Those are three massive things that you want to do your due diligence on before you invite someone to a webinar. And I remember, you know, I've done five years worth of webinars, but there you can always remember one where someone got stage fright 
and <laughs> it's just affected the entire webinar, like everything, the stage fright. And then they loosen up at the end and you're thinking, oh, geez, this is quite late in the piece. But, you know, you've really got to do your homework and make sure you've got the right person, that they have charisma or chemistry with the other speakers or that they're not going to be too quiet because you may have a panel of people where there's one person that can out-talk every other person and that can throw off the dynamics as well. You want to have, it's like casting, you know, almost at this casting level. You have to make sure each person is cast well for the role that they need to play and thought leadership is, is, is yeah, a really key one. Okay, love it. Let's, t- let's talk about mistakes, Kylie. Mm-hmm. I mean, we. I mean, this this sounds like a, a big one. You ju- what you just described, where it's really important to understand the the dynamic between speakers. Do they speak well with each? Uh, to, uh, do they have charisma and do they have kind of uh, not banter, but but the energy is right between them. But also making sure that it's not dominated by one person. What are some of the mistakes? What are some of the other mistakes that you've made running webinars in the past? <laughs> one was actually another speaker, a really credible speaker who turned up unshaven, wearing a hoodie <laughs> over their head. Um, it was at the time I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is this is for real. This is just part of this person's brand. But you've really got to set those expectations at the beginning because personal appearance is quite important for the, the market that we um, try to capture in our industry. And so, I mean, look, I won't talk about all those little things because they're really obvious, but some of the bigger things um, from a team perspective may have been, you know, mistakes that we have made because the follow-up may not have been as precise as we wanted it to be. So I always talk about this baton change between marketing and sales after the webinar has finished and failing to actually do a really wicked baton change can impact all the hard work that the team has spent on planning the webinar, getting the uh, marketing out there, getting the registrations to grow, trying to find speakers. It can just be the end of what was really great work so that follow-up is so important having the detail and I would recommend that whoever is reaching out to potential leads after a webinar that they actually watch the webinar because you'd be surprised at how many people don't they're really busy sales teams and they're always on the go but it's really important to have that context if you want to nail that conversation, if you're going to ring someone or you're going to email someone, it's really important that you understand what that webinar was about so you can size up the fit for the person you're reaching out to. Everyone has different needs. Everyone has different problems. And so, yeah, I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't emphasize it enough. Watching the webinar, if you're in the sales team, that should be a must. Another mistake that we have made in the past may have been around on the marketing side, when we sent the email out or we set the landing page up, we said we were going to talk about X, Y, and Z. Okay. And then a period of time passes, the webinar happens, everyone's there on the day. And sometimes because marketing is not directly involved with, you know, we're not on the webinar, it may not actually go to plan, like how you've talked about, we were going to talk about this, but they ended up talking about something that was related, but maybe slightly different. And that can change the expectations and also chip away at the marketing trust so these emails that you get you may say you're going to learn about this and this but you end up you end up learning about something slightly different it can create if, if you keep doing that over time 
it can erode the trust of people so they may no longer be willing to attend your webinars because you said one thing but you didn't do it yeah i can i can totally imagine how detrimental that could be to uh to the not detrimental but it's just it's just the disappointment right like you were expecting something you rock up and something else happens and it's just it doesn't meet those requirements got it got it i i love the point that you talked about that you have to first of all the baton changes is very challenging and uh and, and i've definitely been there and experienced that but when, once it once it happens smoothly it's just it's almost magical but i also love your advice on sales team need to listen to the webinar now i know that's it's easier said than done for uh, for making the sales team to uh, to actually listen to the stuff but um but it, it it does change the game it does give so much context to the salesperson so much ammo in order to start that conversation that they're reaching out to somebody Uh, I love those advice. Anything else that comes to mind? No, I would just say think of it as a game of snakes and ladders with webinars. Like you've always got to be trying to go up that ladder and every little thing you can do to go up and up and up another rung, another rung is great. But think about all the things that could potentially bring you back down to the bottom of the board again. Every single factor, like I'm, I'm, getting really in the weeds like you have to look at this from a perspective of you know the speaker the person following up the landing page the email that goes out there's there's dozens and dozens of things that you really need to analyze well and where you can either analyze them with data or try and analyze them with data from a previous webinar that can be really helpful to understand if you're making headway and then you'll just get general anecdotal feedback around things that you can't measure you know, with data like, oh, was that a good speaker? Or did they have that chemistry that we wanted? Got it. I love you describing it as snake and letters game. And we experience this at our agency quite often, where we would be working with a company and we've been, we, you know, we've done a really amazing campaign and there are bells and whistles and, and, and everything's firing smoothly. But maybe at one point, there is one spelling mistake and it just feels like it brings you to square one and you're like, oh my goodness, how did that slip? No matter what you've done and, and all the amazing things that you put in, um, it could it could be so detrimental and and it's made us put so many measures for, for these small things uh, in place to make sure they don't happen because when they do happen, just like you said, it brings you back to square one I, I, and I love that description. <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone, every marketer in their career, they can all relate to that one mistake, whether it be really big or small or super embarrassing. So, you know, at the end of the day, we all have to realize, you know, we're only human and those mistakes can happen when it comes to a webinar quite easily. But it's a matter of like, well, how many people actually you know how many people did it actually affect is it bad for the business or is it just a minor thing so if it's minor we try and just regain our composure and we move on (laughs) because sometimes you can have a lot of production issues as well like I'm sure there are people listening to this who have been on the webinar and one minute before it's about to start one of your speakers still doesn't have sound and everyone's sweating because we're meant to be going live this is like a live webinar and then it magically just starts working so there's all these little things that can 
be quite detrimental. Um, but it's really down to like how much you can control them, isn't it? So true. So true. Love it. All right. The last thing I want to ask before we jump into the um, rapid fire questions is what's what's next for you when it comes to webinars? I mean, a lot of people are are, um, are, are thinking about this. There's a lot of physical events that are coming back. People are talking about hybrid events. Um, I still haven't seen someone who's really figured out hybrid events. Were you sticking to, to webinars? What are, what are your plans going forward in the coming months and, and, uh, and quarters? Yeah, well, we'll still stick to webinars. We can see there's real demand for them. And as we've worked and worked and worked to like increase the number of registrations and attendees and leads, we've managed to triple this. Like we've jumped from like easily just over 100 to 200. And then we had one that was 500. That's more than triple. But we're at a really nice steady rate now when it comes to webinars. And it's a little bit different depending on the app partner that you're working with. Um, so we can see it in the data. We can see it in the engagements. A lot of people asking questions. And for us, when you have a webinar and people are asking questions, that's just as good as someone that rocks up to your booth at an event asking that same question in real life. So that engagement is really key if you want a successful webinar. You've got to try and get people thinking so hard that they're going to ask those questions. But moving on from that, in-person events for sure. They're really expensive though. So you need a really good team to dig into the details to make sure you're doing your due diligence before you sign up. But also understanding that real ROI that you're going to get. Because once that event's over, for me, the work has only begun, you know, like trying to actually close sales and working with different teams to bring them over the finish line. Events are really good for forging new relationships, though. So going forward, now that things are back to normal in a lot of countries, we will be doing a lot more events. And I've just come back from um, some ZeroCon like conferences. There was one in London. There was one in New Orleans. My team attended one in Sydney. And they've been amazing as well. Like a really great community vibe and being able to connect with people. It really, really helps at a business level for us. Got it. Got it. All right. So webinars are going to stay and exploring potential physical events as well. Okay. Have you read the State of ABM and APAC report yet? If you have, you'll know that 59% of marketing leaders are intending to increase their ABM investment in the coming year. Even bigger news is 0% of survey respondents are going to decrease their investment. It's an exciting time for ABM in the region. Discover the state of account-based marketing in APAC today. Download the full report at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. Let's dive into some rapid fire questions, Kylie, before we wrap up the podcast. The first thing I want to know is what is one resource? It could be a book, a blog, podcast, a talk, whatever it is that has had a massive impact on you, either professionally or personally. What comes to mind? Probably both. It's a book. It's a book by Harvard Business Review and it's called On Mental Toughness. It's one of their top 10 must reads, but it just helps you train your mind to rebound from setbacks and it you know, helps you push further, just whether you're in like marketing or business or in real, you know, in your personal life. It's really important. Um, I like to thrive under pressure and try and build my mental grit. And this book's really good for that. 
Awesome. I am definitely going to check that out. Thank you very much for that. Question number two, if you could only give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? Oh, only one. I would say data, like for data is everything. You have to be able to show as a marketer, you have to be able to show the connection between marketing and business revenue. And if you don't have attribution models in place to do that, you are just limping around on one foot. Like you have to be able to prove to the business the worth of the marketing team and be really passionate and fierce about about the value that you bring and why you deserve that seat at the table. Talk about MRR, talk about ARR, but use the data to do that. Love it. Question number three, who are some of the influencers that you follow in the marketing and sales space? Jason Lemkin from Sastar, man, I have been following him for years. And if you go and have a look at his website, there's just content there for, if not days, months, years. <laughs> so I highly recommend Sastar and looking at some of the articles, depending on what, uh, whether you're in marketing or sales, uh, lots of great advice from him. Um and because Approval Max is part of the Zero ecosystem, um, Vladka Kazda, she's the global GM of growth marketing at Zero, and she was in the CMO 50 last year as well. I follow her and love what the whole team at Zero have done, but her in particular, because they've really built a, a huge beast of a brand. And the way that they bring their marketing together, they've gone full beast mode over the years. And um, she's Australian. Um, I think she's based in Melbourne. So yeah, she's a great person. Another person is Corey Haynes. He's the founder of Swipe Files and the ex-head of growth at Biometrics, I think. He has a great site called Swipe Files and he you can follow him on Twitter. But it's, it's a good community that he has built for um, marketing content and courses to help you master the discipline. Love it. All right. Got to check. So what is um? what was Corey's last name again? Haynes, H-A-I-N-E-S. Yes. All right. We'll definitely put some links in the uh, show notes as well. Thank you very much for that. And the last thing, Carly, that I want to ask is what's something that excites you about B2B today? Oh, the competition is fierce. It is just heating up and every, it heats up every year. So you always think you're at the you know, peak of competition, but it's never the case. Like ecosystems get bigger and bigger and then you have to work 10 times harder to do the basics, like 10 times harder than anyone else. But I think that's the thing that excites me the most because on a personal level, I'm, I really love broken things. And as a kid, I loved to, to do a lot of puzzles. Do you remember those puzzles where there's like these wiry, like metal shapes and they're all like tangled up together and you have to try and untangle them and yes, stick them up. Yes. I used to love doing those and I had a lot of them. My father bought them for me and we'd try and do them together. So yeah, working on problems and trying to do the basics 10 times better, I get really, really excited about. And um, with the team, that just do, it does mean trying to drill down into these areas of marketing that they're thinking, why are you even looking at this? Why are we even talking about this? It's because I can often <laughs> spot something that's tangled up that needs untangling. And when you untangle that and then this and that and this and that, all of a sudden things are freer. All of a sudden you have flexibility and movement and there's just this pace that comes out of nowhere. And when you show the team that in the numbers – it's really exciting, but it's the competition that will drive the, the drive, the desire and motivation to work harder. I, I really love that. That is such a great answer. I, I love that. 
I love that. Thank you so much, uh, Kylie. Kylie, this has been a great podcast. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. I think, you know, you took something which are webinars where marketers are like, yeah, been there, done that. And I feel like you've really turned it on its head and you've, you've shared some really interesting points on it, some amazing insights. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and on all your insights. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Samito with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make this show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just interested in a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.